Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the second quarter investors conference call. Today's call is being recorded. Legal counsel requires us to advise that the discussion scheduled to take place today may contain forward-looking statements that involve known and unknown risks and uncertainties. Actual results may be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements contemplated in the forward-looking statements. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to materially differ from those in these forward-looking statements is contained in the company's annual information form as filed with the Canadian Securities Administrators and in the company's annual report on Form 40-F as filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. As a reminder, today's call is being recorded. Today is July 23rd, 2020. I would now like to turn the call over to Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Scott Patterson. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Jesse, and welcome everyone to our Q2 earnings call. Thank you for dialing in. Uh, Jeremy Rakusin is on the line with me today. We last spoke on April 23rd. Uh, at that time, we were all right in the middle of lockdown. About 85% of North America was under some sort of lockdown or stay-at-home measure, and really there was no clarity around when these measures would be relaxed. We went through a vigorous reforecasting exercise based on what we were experiencing in mid-April to provide some direction and forward guidance with our Q1 report. Well, much has changed over the last three months. As you saw in our release this morning, we significantly outperformed our expectations and the guidance we provided. There are a number of factors involved and Jeremy and I will walk you through them. In terms of agenda this morning, I will start with a summary overview of the results and variances from our forecast. I will then touch on two important highlights from the quarter, and then Jeremy will follow with a closer review of the financial results. Total revenues for the quarter were up 8% over the prior year. Organic revenue declined by 9% year-over-year, but this was more than offset by acquisition growth, primarily relating to global restoration and several tuck-unders over the last 12 months. EBITDA for the quarter increased by 10%, reflecting a 20 basis point increase in margins. At First Service Residential, revenues were down 9%, versus our forecast of down 10 to 15%. At First Service Brands, revenues were up 39% versus our forecast of flat to up 15%. Margins at both divisions were materially higher than forecast. The principal reason for the outperformance was that markets in general opened up more quickly than anticipated which drove revenue opportunities across both divisions. At First Service Residential, ancillary revenues proved to be more resilient during the quarter, particularly transfer and disclosure income, 
which was down less than forecast in April and May, and then spiked in June and was up year over year. Home sales across the U.S. were up significantly in June, and our results reflected the same trend. At First Service Brands, our residential property service companies, including California Closets, Serta Pro Painters, Paul Davis, Floor Coverings International, and Pillar to Post, were welcomed into homes more readily than expected. These brands came out early with clear communication around our in-home safety protocol, which opened many doors for us. Our lead conversion and close rates increased across all these businesses. On the bottom line, the aggressive tact we took in mid-March around cost control set us up to reap the benefits of operating leverage on the stronger than expected revenues. Performance during the quarter improved sequentially every month with June results across many of our businesses and regions that were near year ago in terms of revenue. We are seeing a continuation of these strong levels of activity into July and have not yet seen any pullback relating to the surge in new coronavirus cases across many states. We are extremely pleased with how, to, how the quarter played out relative to early expectations. Our teams were aggressive around cost containment and incredibly tenacious about seizing every revenue opportunity that was presented. And we continue to deliver on our service excellence promise across every brand. Our frontline teams are performing heroically in differentiating us from our competition. We feel very confident that we will emerge from this pandemic environment in an improved competitive position. Looking forward, we are cautiously optimistic about the back half of the year. Jeremy will provide some general direction in his comments, but we will refrain from providing any specific guidance for Q3 or the balance of the year. The economic outlook in North America remains very uncertain, and we have some concern that the strength we saw in June across many of our businesses was driven partially by pent-up demand. Before I hand off to Jeremy, I want to talk about two important highlights from the quarter. The first is the $150 million private placement that we completed with Durable Capital Partners on May 22nd. We ended Q1 with debt to EBITDA leverage of 2.4 times, which is right in our target comfort range. The equity raise took us down to 1.8 times on a pro forma basis and gave us confidence that we could withstand anything the pandemic threw at us while also be aggressive in terms of add-on acquisitions and strategic investment. We have since green-lighted many initiatives that we paused in the early days of the pandemic and are driving ahead full steam. An example was the acquisition of Roland Companies at the end of the quarter by Global Restoration. The second highlight I want to talk about. Roland is a leading commercial and large loss restoration company in the mid-Atlantic region of the U.S. 
The acquisition is strategically significant for us in that it expands our geographic reach, enhances our competitive position across a number of important verticals, and brings in some of the top and most experienced restoration professionals in the industry. Roland has nine operation centers in the Mid-Atlantic, Northeast, and Southeast of the U.S., which complement our footprint and improve our ability to serve national accounts. They bring a diverse client base across healthcare, hospitality, multifamily, education, and assisted living verticals. We've added many new national relationships that we believe we can grow and further penetrate. In particular, Roland has built an exceptionally strong healthcare practice. And the company has been an industry leader supporting healthcare companies and other clients throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. This is an important move for us. And we are very excited about welcoming Sam Bergman, Mark Petrosky, and the entire Roland team into the global and first service families. On that note, I will pass the floor over to Jeremy. Thank you, Scott. Good morning, everyone. As you just heard from Scott, we reported financial results that significantly exceeded the expectations we laid out for Q2 during our first quarter call. I will get into more of the specifics around this in a minute, but first, a summary of the consolidated headlines for the quarter. Revenues were $622 million, and adjusted EBITDA was $71.2 million, up 8% and 10% respectively. Adjusted EPS came in at $0.86, down 23% from last year's second quarter. Together with our first quarter results, our sixth month's year-to-date consolidated financial performance is as follows. Revenues of $1.26 billion, an increase of 18% over the $1.06 billion last year. Adjusted EBITDA of $115.1 million, representing 22% growth over the $94.2 million last year, with a margin of 9.2%, up from the 8.9% in the prior year period. And adjusted EPS at $1.23, down 15% versus $1.45 per share, reported during our same six-month period last year. Our adjustments to operating earnings and a gap EPS to calculate our adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EPS respectively have been summarized in this morning's press release and remain consistent with our approach and disclosure in prior periods. I'll now summarize our segmented financial highlights for Q2. Starting with our first service residential division, second quarter revenues came in at $338 million, a 9% decrease over the prior year period. This decline came in slightly better than the 10 to 15% range we provided at Q1. Core management revenues were up modestly, but were more than offset by ancillary revenue declines in areas we previously called out. Specifically, amenity management, that is our management of pool, aquatic, restaurant, spa, and fitness facilities, was down in line with forecasts. 
other ancillary services, several of which carry a higher margin, such as transfers and disclosures arising from unit resales within our communities, maintenance, construction, and project management moderated less than expected. EBITDA for the quarter was $37.2 million, a 5% year-over-year decline, with an 11% margin up 40 basis points from the 10.6% margin in Q2 of last year. This margin expansion was unexpected as we anticipated a more significant pandemic-driven falloff in the quarter in those higher margin ancillary services I just referenced. With the proactive and meaningful headcount and cost reductions we took in areas with reduced activity levels, it more than offset the negative impact to our top line, resulting in the improved margins. When you look at the quarter-over-quarter results for First Service Residential in the face of the unprecedented pandemic, it further reinforces the essential services nature and resiliency of this business. Now into our First Service Brands Division. In the second quarter, we recorded revenues of $283.4 million, a 39% increase over the prior year period, driven by contribution from the large global restoration acquisition and partially offset by a 10% revenue decline in the division on an organic basis, excluding acquisitions. This overall division top-line performance well surpassed our expectations of 0 to 15% revenue growth, as communicated to you at Q1. While our restoration and fire protection platforms performed as expected, our home improvement service lines significantly exceeded their Q2 forecasts. At the time of our Q1 results announcement in late April, with 85% of North America under some form of lockdown. Our assumptions were that these measures would remain in place for all or most of Q2. The easing of government-mandated restrictions and social distancing measures across many U.S. states occurred much earlier than expected, which allowed our franchise and company-owned operations to get into homes, complete jobs, and drive increased sales activity. EBITDA for the brand segment during the quarter came in at $35.8 million, up 26% year-over-year, and yielding a 12.6% margin, lower than the 14% margin in last year's second quarter. The year-over-year margin decline is due to acquisition mix, reflecting the addition of Global's lower margin this quarter to the higher Q2 margin profile for the balance of the division. The current quarter margin, as with the top-line performance, significantly exceeded the expectations we provided on our Q1 conference call. The early reopening of many markets blunted our forecasted decline in system-wide sales and revenues within our home improvement brands, and our operators were nimble in re-accelerating their activity levels in markets where governments and homeowners permitted access. This more modest impact to the top line, together with preemptive and aggressive cost reduction initiatives, drove the brand's division to solid profitability in a challenging environment. 
Free cash flow was also exceptionally strong during the quarter. Operating cash flow before working capital changes more than doubled to $53 million over the prior year quarter. With increased focus on cash management and working capital, we saw a very strong surge in cash flow after working capital changes to $113 million. For the six months year to date, we have delivered $153 million of operating cash flow, up significantly over the prior year period. We previously also communicated on our Q1 call the intention to trim our CapEx for the balance of the year. This was was reflected in our results with $7 million invested during the second quarter and $22 million year-to-date, thus tracking to our reduced full-year CapEx estimate of approximately $45 million. The strong internal cash flow performance helped keep our balance sheet in very good shape throughout the quarter. And then, as Scott highlighted, we further fortified our financial position with a $150 million equity private placement, allowing us to pivot from defense to offense as we gained, as we gained greater confidence from our own financial performance and better visibility around tuck-under-target prospects. We exited the second quarter with our net debt at $400 million, down significantly from over $630 million at Q1. As a result, our leverage, as measured by net debt to EBITDA, is now at 1.5 times, a decline from the 2.4 times level in the first quarter. Our liquidity, reflecting total undrawn availability under our revolver and cash on hand, was $625 million at quarter end and remains at a record level even after the capital deployed for the Roland acquisition post-Q2, which Scott earlier described. Maintaining financial flexibility to further pursue our growth objectives is a cornerstone of our business model, and we are as well positioned as ever to drive forward on these opportunities. We are very pleased with our overall results to date in the face of COVID-19, and we maintain a positive yet cautious stance on the outlook for the back half of the year. There are obviously many uncertainties around the path of the pandemic with numerous possible outcomes. However, if the current macro environment remains largely intact, we believe that for the current full year, we will be down modestly year-over-year on an organic basis on the top line. But with the full-year contribution of global restoration versus half-year in 2019, our revenues are expected to marginally exceed the 2019 reported level. We also anticipate that our consolidated EBITDA margin will be largely in line with prior year. That now concludes our prepared comments. I would ask the operator to please open the call to questions. Thank you. Thank you. At this time, I would like to tell everybody, in order to ask a question, please press star then 1 on your telephone keypad to queue for a question. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster.
Your first question comes from George Dumet with Scotiabank. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, congrats on a, on a very resilient quarter. Thanks, George. Scott, I wanted to touch on your comments that you mentioned earlier. You said there's a possibility for some pent-up demand, but you also your comments also said that there was a really strong momentum that continued into July. So can you maybe help us understand maybe where you see that potential for that pent-up demand? Is it, is it you know, the lead orders, the California closets, or maybe anything around, around the commentary there? Well, we improved um, sequentially April, May, June, and, and June was uh, particularly strong in terms, of, in terms of leads and book sales. And I think that um, while we have seen it continue, um, I think there is a feeling that um, it will be tough to sustain through the balance of the year at current levels. Uh, we may see it. Uh, we may see it sustained, but with the with the surge in cases um, um, and and you know reading economic reports from other industries and generally, uh, I think we share some of the concern that's out there generally that that we might see some um, some pullback in the economy. Um, you know, in addition, we're watching closely the $600 a week unemployment benefit and, and when that might end and, and whether that's um, propping up uh, some of the home improvement spend. Okay, great. Um, last quarter, I believe the, um, the number for our furloughed, uh, furloughed sorry, employees is around 3,200. Uh, do you guys have that number where we sit today? And, and as those folks come back to work, just kind of wondering how we should think of, of the evolution of maybe the margins um, this year and next. Yeah, George, I'll take that. Um, yeah, furloughs, reduced hours, terminations in aggregate, you're right, over uh, 3,000 at Q1. We've got roughly a third of those back. And incrementally, we see more coming back as activity levels continue to uh, increase. So, you know, if we see the opening up of, you know, a lot of our amenity-related services at first service residential, for example, particularly in, in areas like the Northeast where, you know, pools and aquatic areas still remain closed. You know, as to the margin, um, uh, you know, uh, outlook in conjunction with that, you know, a lot of the cost savings that we realized um, should remain in place. Um, some of those costs we're learning um, through this uh, pandemic uh, to manage uh, with less resources for a given level of revenue than, than we have before. And so we, so we think some of those efficiencies and cost reductions will be permanent. You know, parsing out how much is permanent and how much is going to come back, uh, that's, that's too early to tell. But we, we think there will be some uh, permanent cost reductions that will be reflected in margins going forward. Okay, great. And just one last one, if I may, Jeremy. On the working capital, uh, it was a really big source of cash. Uh, halfway through the year, do you expect that to, I guess, to revert to a typical, I guess, one to two percent of revenue drag that we've kind of seen in a lot in the last few years? Yes, I mean the two biggest areas uh, of the pickup in the working capital uh, piece of the cash flow statement was, you know, focus collection and AR collection, particularly in this environment, and obviously with a bit slower growth, you're not investing as much on that front, and you're more you know, collecting and harvesting. 
um, off the revenues that have previously been uh, generated. Um, but also uh, on tax, you know, some of the government stimulus uh, packages on both sides of the border afford us the opportunity to defer taxes, um, which will be paid in the normal course uh, in the back half of the year. So I would say, um, you know, Q2 is an anomaly on the, on the working capital pickup, but it did help us with the balance sheets and our financial position. All right, guys, thanks for your answers and good luck. Thank you. And your next question comes from Frederick Bastian with Raymond James. Your line is open. Thank you, uh, Jeremy. You touched on some of the costs uh, that uh, you believe you'll be able to permanently take out of the equation. Can, can you provide a bit more color on, on the sort of, um, you know, where is that coming from? Is that corporate level? Or are, you, are you able to squeeze some costs out of uh, every brand and across the organization? Yeah, I mean, it's areas like marketing, um, legal, finance, HR. So a lot of those support functions, we're just working with leaner costs. But there's going to be a lot less travel, you know, whether it's business development, air travel, um, a lot more virtual um, business development. Uh, but even, um, you know, executing on um, on work, um, what Cal Closet as an example, our designers are able to do a lot more virtual consults versus um, spending time going home to home. So it's just efficient. They're getting a lot more done in a given day, a lot more productive and, and without the associated travel costs. Um, you know, th those, are, those are some of the examples. Even in the ancillary services side and um, first service residential, again, I, the teams found ways to optimize the cost structure, and I think they're going to be able to uh, generate as much or more revenue with with less resources going forward. I would I would add. I think this situation has enabled uh, all of our businesses uh, to reevaluate and redefine their staffing models. I don't know that uh, there's going to be any particular area that we can pinpoint. Um, with accuracy going forward, uh, but this will be a very interesting budgeting season for us as we um, take a fresh look at, at how we staff. Thanks for that. Um, my other question relates to your comment about um, you know going from defense to offense. Obviously, we saw that with the roll-in acquisition. Um, as we look into the second half uh, leading to, to next year, I mean, how how's your appetite right now for acquisition? Do we see you continue uh, the growth of global and into more restoration businesses, or are, are we going to see other? Are you going to are we going to see you active in other uh, market segments? Well, the the appetite is is definitely there, and and as you heard, we have the liquidity, we have the balance sheet, um, so we're we're prepared to be aggressive. Um, but not necessarily uh, more aggressive than we have been over the last uh, several years. Uh, but we're we're not um, we're not slowing down as a result of the pandemic or pausing in any way. We've restarted all of our significant strategic initiatives. Uh, you know, a lot of them 
have to do or are part of the restoration strategy, the rebranding and, and the investment in the infrastructure. Uh, and then we continue to, to work on our acquisition pipeline. Um, again, uh, certainly restoration is part of that, but we have opportunities in, in really every other uh, platform as well that we're working on. Thank you. Very impressive quarter. Well done. Thanks, Frederick. Your next question comes from Stephen McLeod with BMO Capital Market. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. Good morning, guys. Morning. Morning. Steve. morning. Um, I just had a couple of questions uh, specifically around um, just a couple around the outlook. Um, you know, Jeremy, you gave some uh, some consolidated color. Uh, I just wanted to confirm or, or, or just clarify: does does the top line impact? include the role in acquisition? Um, and then secondly, with respect to the outlook, are you able to give some sort of broad strokes outlook uh, as to how that second half view or full year view is supported by the first service residential and first service brands divisions? Um, yes, it does include Roland. So that would be the, you know, my comments around us being higher versus reported 19 you know, with global in there, you know, down on an organic basis, but including global and its tuck unders, uh, you know, that would be in those numbers. Um, not too much to say on parsing out the divisions. I mean, I would just say that the back half of the year um, is largely pretty flat profile um, uh, on the top line. First service residential flats is slightly down, most likely. And um, uh, first service brands would be down without the global um, uh, contribution. If you add in global, it would be you know, relatively flat. So consolidated flat on the back half here on the top line. And again, the margins are not going to materially differ when we finish the year from last year. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, and then I just wanted to talk, uh, 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 just clarify kind of the outlook on the food service brands division. Um, you know, is it, like, did I understand correctly that, you know, you did see momentum continue into July, uh, but then, but then you're sort of feeling a bit more cautious of, from kind of July onwards. Is that the way to think about um, how you're, how you're expecting the back half of the year in the food service brands division? Well, we, we saw, you know, specifically speaking about the uh, home improvement brands, um, we saw strong June, um, strong activity in July, but recognized that June was still down year over year, um, just significantly better than April and, and better than expectation. So um, if it... If we sustain at these levels, it it's still uh, it's still down year over year um, on the home improvement side, and then restoration and fire are part of that division also. Right. Okay. And that that brings me to my final question uh, on restoration and fire. I think you sort of cited that that the trends were in line with what you would have, what you would have expected for the broader um, brands division in Q2. But did you see any? Um, any impact around like deep cleaning or sanitization on in you know in the Paul Davis or global side? Yeah, we did. We did both. Uh, both platforms benefited from the COVID work. Um, 
you know, global, uh, maybe I can start there, generally in line with expectation, as you suggest, it was up uh, modestly over over the first quarter. And, and interestingly, it was up organically uh, over the prior year, a period when we didn't own it. Um, but, you know, commercial property claims, uh, we believe are down at, at least 20% uh, in North America, um, in part due to COVID, in part due to weather. And so for, for global to show growth year over year is something we were uh, very pleased about. And, and part of the reason is, is the COVID-related work. Uh, you know, it's thousands of different um, discrete jobs that we performed. Uh, they tend to be smaller jobs, um, lower revenue, but uh, it did fill that gap for us and enabled us to to uh, to show some growth year over year where otherwise we might have been down. You know, we have a strong hospitality practice um, at Global, and that was down um, materially because of COVID. Uh, so it um, it definitely benefited, and and it also importantly um, opened up doors for us and enabled us to engage with new clients that we have since leveraged in, into uh, national accounts and mitigation work. Um, Paul Davis, similarly, uh, down only slightly from, from prior year. We expected it to be down more dramatically due to shutdowns and inability to access homes. But um, it, uh, you know, as we've, as we've discussed, uh, the markets rebounded. Uh, Paul Davis uh, was able to um, get into homes and perform work. And then the COVID uh, definitely helped it um, claw its way back to near a year ago. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's certainly been part of the quarter for us. And it, uh, you know, on the first service residential side, we're obviously doing uh, janitorial as part of that service offering. So the protocols have, have all changed and we're obviously uh, performing COVID cleaning in, uh, for our communities. It doesn't drive top line revenue, but uh, it's, uh, it's certainly uh, part of their service offering now. Okay, yeah, okay, that's great. And maybe just one more if I could. Um, with respect to Roland, so you talked a lot about, about uh, the, the global sanitization work. Um, can, you, can you talk a little bit about, I know you've known it for in the quarter, but do you have any insight or any, any, um, any data you could provide around how, you know, Roland has done with their healthcare exposure? Similar to global, um, you know, they uh, otherwise would have been perhaps down year over year, but the COVID uh, gave it a real boost, uh, probably more so with Roland on a, on a pro rata basis than, than global. That's very helpful. Thanks, guys, and congratulations on the quarter. Thanks. Your next question comes from Stephen Sheldon with William Blair. Your line is open. Hi, guys. Thanks. Um, with uh, with some economies reopening and then and then shutting back down, wanted to ask how it's impacted community plans for some of the amenities you operate in the residential segment, like pools, gyms, and spas. Is there any way you can frame roughly what percentage are open now, and how do you expect trends to play out over the rest of the year with 
the visibility that you have at this point. Yeah, Stephen, I can't <clears throat> I can't give you a percentage um, accurately. I can I can sort of talk regionally. I mean, the the amenity spaces are still shut down uh, here in Ontario and in the Northeast, particularly in New York City, and in a number of other pockets and jurisdictions uh, around North America. But otherwise, they are, they are open and operating. Um, and I, I think our expectation at this point is that they will stay open. The, the safety protocols may change in terms of utilization of the amenities. The capacity restrictions may change. But we have not seen any rollback um, of the amenities at this point. And I think it, uh, you know, once they open within a community, it might be tough unless, unless, the, uh, unless it's legislated. Uh, but that, that hasn't happened in, uh, yet. I don't know if Got that it, that's helpful. Question. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Um, and then wanted to ask about the new contract side for residential. Any signs that activity there could pick back up again like it did you know, in late 2018 and early 2019, or are most property man or owners uh, kind of remaining in maintenance mode and you know, hesitant to switch providers right now? I guess that that's also a boost to retention, but just curious about the new contract side. Yeah, the, the, uh, you know, we had um, thought that, the, that our sales would decline in the quarter, and it did. Um, you know, the boards of HOAs and condos today are under incredible pressure in this environment. Just trying, you know, resident alignment around safety protocol and rules within the community, whether they're too stringent or not stringent enough, it's, uh, uh, they are under pressure and they are generally not focused on changing out management companies. So it's been hard to get attention, but we do, you know, we're staying on it and we do expect um, improved sales uh, the balance of the year. That's our hope. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Your next question comes from Stephanie Price with CIBC. Your line is open. Good morning. Good morning, Stephanie. Uh, I wanted to ask maybe that amenity question that you just had a little more broadly and, and just wondering what you've seen in areas that have seen COVID spikes um, across both divisions and you know, what the environment has been like post Q2? It's, um, you know, those, those amenities uh, have remained open, uh, Stephanie, and, and it's, um, you know, they, they, they are in a very, very important aspect of, of the community. And uh, so there was, there was pressure uh, within really all the communities to open amenities as soon as possible. Uh, and then residents can make their own decision around whether they want to use them or not. But, um, you know, again, we haven't seen any pullback um, and, and aren't aware of um, any changes in terms of capacity restrictions or even utilization, you know, whether they're, they're less active than they were. We just haven't, um, 
we just haven't seen any change yet. Okay, and then and then what about on the brand side in terms of you know areas that are seeing COVID spikes? Have you seen any change in activity there? We get uh, we get leads and metrics every day, and it's and it's holding it's holding steady. Okay, great. And then in your prepared remarks, you mentioned the possibility of market share gains for the year. Just wondering if you can talk a bit about the competitive environment and and where you're seeing uh, you know the possibility for these types of gains. I don't have, you know, certainly we don't have any hard data uh, on whether we're gaining share, uh, but I do know that we are performing, and um, I think we're positioning ourselves very well to gain more share. Um, I mean, so I, I just think that we are delivering on our promise. I'm very proud of the way we're delivering on our promise, and um, I'm not sure our competition uh, across the board are delivering in the same way. So it's a, it's a, it's it's my um, hypothesis, Stephanie, more than anything. Fair enough. All right, we're results this quarter. We're definitely uh, you know above expectations. So thank you very much. Right. Thanks. Your next question comes from Daryl Young with TD Securities. Your line is open. Good morning, guys. Just a couple quick ones for me. Uh, on the residential side, has, has um, there been any increase in opportunities for M&A as a result of, of some of the uh, other smaller residential providers maybe struggling through this environment? We have not seen it, Daryl. It's um, not yet, and I'm not sure we will, honestly. This is a this is a uh, you know a recurring revenue model, and it is for all our competitors. So I think I think they'll be fine. Okay, and then um, just in terms of uh, storm activity, uh, is it correct that in, in 2019 basically restoration had almost zero benefit from from storm activity? Uh, early. Early in the year, hangover from fourth quarter of 18, uh, we had some, but uh, year to date in, in 20, uh, almost nil. Okay, and, and as we so as we head into the back half of the year, then um, that that could potent, potentially provide some upside um, to the outlook as well if 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 everything lines up. Um, yeah. On that. Yes, definitely. And just one last one. So would Roland, given their niche focus on healthcare and whatnot, uh, would they still have the same benefits from, from storm activity as, as uh, Global does? Uh, they would because they have uh, national accounts and relationships. Um, so uh, if a storm were to impact any of their customers, then we will benefit. Okay, great. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Riddick with Sidoti. Your line is open. Hi, good morning. Good morning, morning, Mark. Wanted to just go over uh, if you could uh, talk a little bit about the, the evolution of the uh, investment plans. As, as we are ending last year, going into this year, there was the 
you know, the announced plans of, of investing behind global and, and, and some other initiatives and some IT spending, what have you. And then that, you know, got postponed, obviously, uh, or at least some of it did. I was wondering if you could talk about now if you're, if it sounds as though you're going to be uh, reaccelerating that or, or, you know, and then putting that investment to work going forward. I was wondering if you could talk about how maybe what those investments are and how that's evolved from maybe the way you might have been thinking at the end of last year uh, as far as dollar amount. Is it different? Is the, the scope and scale different, or is it kind of similar to what you already had planned, and now everything just kind of shifted to the right for a couple of quarters? It's um, it's everything we had planned, but it's being stretched out over a longer period of time. We have continued to nurse these initiatives along, uh, you know, March and April, May, and then uh, when we started to see our results come in when we did the private placement, it gave us confidence to start to accelerate them again. So, um, you know, the rebranding for one uh, will, is now scheduled for the first quarter of 2021. Uh, and, but we are um, continuing the work on the uh, national infrastructure and the systems that we need to support that unified brand you know, sales, CRM, HR, enterprise-wide platform, uh, consolidated financial system, that sort of thing, which will, uh, you know, a lot of that would have taken place in 20 now. It, it's all being uh, sort of over the next uh, 12 months to, to 18 months, I would say. Um, but the dollars are the same. Okay, that makes sense. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And then uh, the last thing for me is I was wondering if you could talk about uh, pricing dynamic in, in both residential and, and brands, if, if there was anything uh, notable or any changes or if it's been, been, been steady as you guys as far as the, the general pricing dynamic that, that you're seeing. Thank you. I think the pricing has been um, steady. Uh, we are sort of looking, looking forward to um, – renewals at first service residential and, and budgets for our communities at first service residential um, and, and whether there will be a, a heightened sensitivity around uh, pricing in this, in this environment, if that's even possible, because that is a, has, is and always has been a very price sensitive uh, business. Um, but I would say we haven't um, we haven't seen anything yet. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Your next question comes from Matt Logan with RBC. Your line is open. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Following up on uh, some of your sales store uh, same store sales figures within the brands division. Can you talk about your non-restoration brands such as Century Fire, Cal Closets, and Certipro, and maybe just give us a sense for how those are performing? The, um, you know, Century uh, was up year over year uh, modestly for the quarter and primarily relating to its installation business, which uh, is largely tied to new construction. They, early on in the quarter, they, there were construction sites that were shut down, but only for a very short time. And um, 
so they they entered the quarter with a strong backlog and were able to to generate uh, solid revenues through the period, and the backlog remains solid. Um, but I think we we generally uh, expected that. Uh, so they were might have been a bit better than our expectation. And uh, the other part of the business is the service and repair business, which uh, was down and is down, and we expect to, um, you know, slowly uh, claw its way back to year over year over the balance of the year. And the um, the home improvement brands, I'll, I'll you know, rather than. Uh, slice and dice between Cal Closets and Serta because uh, they're all very similar. As a group, uh, they were down 20% for the quarter. We expected them to be down uh, much more significantly. Um, but uh, big improvement as the quarter went on, as I as I said earlier. Jeremy, I don't know if you have anything to, to add to that or. No, no, that's that's exactly right, Scott. You know, twenty percent down versus more than fifty, fifty to sixty percent expectations. So, you know, that's really where the pickup was, and and fire as you characterize it, you know, the two segments performing. And following up on uh, some of the questions with regards to storm activity, could you help us frame the potential upside from a normalization in weather patterns? Like when we look at your H2 guidance, A, would, would that be included? And if we looked at revenue for restoration over the past 12 months, what would that figure be, uh, both on an actual basis and on a, a normalized basis? Jeremy, why don't I leave that to you? Yeah. Okay. So, Matt, first question, um, you know, in terms of the guidance, um, you know, what, what I said earlier in my prepared comments, we wouldn't expect any um, any significant degree of, of storm activity in, in, in those numbers. Those are, those are hard to forecast. But typically, as we've said before, if we get a normal level of activity, again, we did not see it in 2019, and, and it normally plays out in the back half of the year, you know, uh, high teens contribution from storm activity, if you look at the last five to 10 years, um, high teens with it weighted a bit more to the back end of the year. You know, in the first half of the year, um, you know, in a normal year, we would normally see potentially 10% from storm or cat-related activity contributing. This year, it's pretty well zero. Um, what, what was the other, did I answer all of your pieces or was there another component I missed, uh, Matt? Um. That helps, Jeremy. Appreciate that. But in terms of the high teens contribution, what percentage would that be out of? Would that be out of uh, restoration or the total piece of revenue? Uh, so that would be out of out of global restorations numbers. Out of global restorations. So, what percentage yeah. did global represent over the last twelve months? Uh, I mean, we bought them. They had 400 plus of revenues. They've done roughly that. Okay. You know, uh, that that certainly helps in terms of framing the uh, potential upside. So I'll leave it there. I appreciate the color. Okay.
There are no further questions at this time. Thank you, Jesse, and thank you everyone for joining. Once again, we're very pleased with the quarter, extremely proud of our teams and how they have executed. Uh, we look forward to communicating next in October around Q3. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes the second quarter investors conference call. Thank you for your participation and have a nice day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.